I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Low-carb backloading is just a type of nutritional protocol that I have kind of evolved into post-keto or really low-carb diets. So at some point, let's like transition back, not because you need carbohydrates, because you probably don't long-term, but you're going to have them. So let's build in something sustainable so we don't feel like, oh, shit, I, I blew it, you know? Time to go back to ice cream. A calorie deficit is the most critical aspect for weight loss. Yes. Two, cheat days are okay. No. Three, you're going to love this episode. Rarely do I get to have as much fun as I did in this episode because Nate the Great, Nate, that's he doesn't even call himself that. Nate Palmer is the Low Carb Hustle podcast host, and he helps entrepreneurs and business owners get leaner and live longer. We all want to get leaner. We all want to live longer. And he has written eBooks and he coaches really high level people to help them get lean. And let me tell you, the dude is very lean. He lives by what he teaches and what he coaches around. He's a really interesting guy, really fun guy. He knows his stuff and he has created some nutritional approaches that are really, really effective and I can't wait to share them with you. He talks about low carb backloading as a way to optimize carb consumption. If you're a busy person, you like to eat dinner, you like to eat carbs, but you still wanna get lean, uh, this is the way to do it. We talk about the common reason why people fail at getting lean. We do a really fun lightning round about, I don't know, 75% of the way through this episode where I ask him a bunch of questions about, um, you know, you, you'll just stick around and don't miss it because it's really good. Nate is awesome. He's got a special offer to download his ebook for free. Uh, getnatesbook.com is the domain. So go ahead and check that out and uh, really enjoy this podcast. I learned a lot uh, just when I kind of thought I knew everything about you know nutrition. I learned a lot from Nate and I know that you will too. So ladies and gentlemen, without, actually before we go into that, um, I wanted, I just want to take like literally 30 seconds to share something with you. This is a lot of work to put out a podcast every single week. That's interesting. That, that keeps people on their toes and that people want to engage with. And what helps this podcast grow is subscribing and reviews flat out. That's what helps podcasts grow and get new listeners. So if you would please do three things, if you have it in your heart to give me a five-star review, give me a review and share this podcast episode or another podcast episode with a friend. It would mean a ton to me. All right, everybody. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Nate Palmer. And I'm here with Nate Palmer, the author of The Million Dollar Body. Father, uh, short, tall guy, sucks at jujitsu. Uh, what else? What I forget? What I forget? I mean, that's pretty much sums me up right there. So you're good. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, Sean. Dude, I'm so excited to do this. This has been fun. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. You know, I think, I feel like I know everything that there is to know about keto. And then I follow certain, you know, whether it's Thomas DeLauer or yourself, you know, um, Crosby Taylor cooking muffins, you know, with, uh, with keto ingredients, I would love for you to, to maybe share with me what I may not know about keto, how it helps people lean up and live longer just as a starting place. Okay. So like just full disclosure, I've kind of shifted a little bit away from full keto. I still use it in specific, like specific people groups as well as carnivore, but I don't take a blanket approach to it. Kind of similar to how I, I was doing a little bit, a little bit before. So um, I've had some amazing results on keto from the populations of people who need to lose about hundred pounds. So like kind of the obese, obese group, 
because it's really hard to get them exercising with any sort of intensity. So if I can get them walking and like, like, cause I feel like a lot of times keto people start getting really like, you know, like, Oh, it's gotta be all these things. But, if, but if we just eliminate carbohydrates, then they stop eating dog shit. You know, mm. like that's, I think the, like the miraculous part about keto is there's so many foods. And I think we think like, Oh, it's carbs. It's ice cream. That's carbs and fats. All of these foods that we shouldn't be eating the bean burritos, the nachos, the, the pizza, these, like these foods that are all hypercaloric suit, like not satiating, very easy, hyper palatable are people consider them to be carbs. So when they eliminate those, they just automatically get results because their body's less inflamed. They're not holding so much bloat, you know, like the, you know, it takes three grams of uh, hydrogen or water to like actually like metabolize a gram of carbohydrates. You know, you're just not as bloated or uh, like you're not holding water underneath your skin. So people are like, whoa, I'm seeing insane results. But what I found is that as people go along, they need most people, there's not a lot of people who can just stay keto forever. So you need to start reverting to some sort of metabolic flexibility to bring carbs back in, allow your body to use those. Because that way, when you go out to eat and you inevitably have some potatoes or something like that, you don't feel completely blown up, destroyed off, off your game. And potatoes are great, you know? Interesting. I like, I like the way that you're characterizing that, that, that it's when you need to bring in the big guns for people who are in the obese category, walking and keto is where you start, but then your body needs different things as your body changes. And like, maybe you don't like, there's a lot of people, like I talked to Robert Sykes, keto savage, and he's been doing keto for like the better part of eight years straight. No, like he's just incredibly disciplined. He's on point all the time, but that's not the reality for 99% of us, I don't think, especially the populations that I work with, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they're out to eat a lot. You know, they're, they've got stuff with their family. They don't want to cook three different meals. So at some point we let's like transition back, not because you need carbohydrates because you probably don't long-term, but you're going to have them. So let's build in something sustainable. So we don't feel like, oh shit, I, I blew it. You know, hmm. time to go back to ice cream. Hmm. Do you have people measure ketones? I have, I, I kind of, uh, I go, I'm like cheater keto almost where I'm just like, yeah, just don't eat carbs. Like, like count your or count your carbs, keep them under 50, then 30 and then drop them down 20, you know? So I don't really have, I, like, I didn't take that information and like get hyper vigilant about it. So it's not, yeah. I mean, honestly, that that's a, that's like a part-time job doing that. A lot. <laughs> right. Like I did you're that tracking calories while. and you're tracking your ketones. It's like so much. Yeah. Well, and, and if you're doing, you know, a pea stick or a finger prick that, I mean, that, that's, that's annoying that, mm -hmm. but, but I imagine that for some people that it may be necessary for them to feel like they're getting somewhere that if, if they need that level of quantification. Right. Yeah. And you have like people who are just love data. They're rocking their aura ring. They want to know how they slept. What's my HRV last night. I think some people get off on that sort of thing, you know, and then they don't mind peeing on their hand just a little bit every single time they go to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm that's I'd, I'd fall in that category. <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I did was, when I was measuring my ketones, I feel like I clean my toilet like every third time. Cause I was like, God damn it. Just pee on the hand again, pee on, <laughs> pee on everything. It's just, you don't want to get, you don't, you don't want to get in trouble you by the missus for peeing on the seat again. No, she, she's like, what's wrong kids. with you? I'm like, she's like, are you, are you, do you need to go to the doctor? I was like, no, I'm just on keto, babe. It's fine. We're okay. <laughs> well, I like that you are, I think that our audiences are probably pretty similar, you know, busy type a, um, 
go-getters, you know, probably extroverts to a large extent, probably some entrepreneurs. And if not entrepreneurs, people who are just, they're just running around a lot, you know? Driven, yeah. And those are the people that you're working with. And I, and I know that those are the people who, who listen to this episode, this podcast every single week. So I, I, I kind of, I want to kind of tailor our conversation today around serving that population because it's in the middle of our Venn diagram. Um, what, what do you think is the most common uh, hiccup people experience when they're trying to get leaner, leaner? I think that um, just other obligations come up. I think that people are busier than they give themselves credit for. And I think like kind of on one hand, it's external stuff happening. You got to go to it. There's a, there's two birthday parties this weekend, and then you're going on a business trip and then you have all these other things and that's fine. You can work around those things. That's no problem. But it's when people are like, you know what? I'm an, I'm a type A, I got to be perfect or else I die. And then they start holding themselves to this impossible standard. They've been sitting on the couch watching Netflix for four hours a day for the last five years. And suddenly they want to work out seven days per week or do 75 uh. hard and do two workouts per day. And they want to eat perfect and they want to track their macros and they want to cut all their carbs out. Like it's a, it's a recipe for disaster because inevitably you're going to fall off. And then those types of people often feel like if I'm not perfect, I'm screwing it up. So one of our core values in the million dollar body program is 1% better, just get a little bit better every single day, you know, and I'm not the type to be like, you know, let's cut out a quarter of your soda and only drink three quarters of your Dr. Pepper, like get that shit out like, but you don't need to have every single thing in line, you don't need to cold plunge in the morning and do 90 minutes of meditation, and then do a red light sauna, then do a green smoothie and then go on a keto diet and then, you know, do 75 hard and then do like a 20 mile ruck like you don't need all of that stuff, pare it down figure out what is something that you can commit to in your, in your busy, hectic life. Cause we all lead those and then re repeat, like repeat and develop competencies in those core disciplines that you've identified as being important. Give me an example of something that, that people, a good place, maybe you've already said it, but people can start with and be consistent and have success with. Today's episode is brought to you by a G one. I first heard about AG1 on other podcast sponsorships like Joe Rogan Experience, and it really is the number one go-to to cover your bases for nutrition. I take AG1 first thing in the morning. It's part of my morning routine. I wake up, I head downstairs, put one scoop of AG1 in about eight ounces of water. I shake it up and I chug it down, and I know that my nutritional bases are covered. The things that have the greatest impact on your health are the things that you can do every single day and you can stay really consistent with. And for me, AG1 ticks that box. I do it every single morning. I travel with it and I know that my nutritional bases are covered. Since I've been drinking AG1, I can tell after about 15 or 20 minutes that my body starts to wake up, my brain starts to wake up, and it really starts my day off on a really high note. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag one com forward slash OPP. That's drinkag1.com forward slash OPP. Go check it out. So it, in, in the book, The Million Dollar Body Method, I write down, I call it the seven daily investments. And three of them are just breakfast, lunch, and dinner and how to eat them. So breakfast is, I always tell 
push people towards a higher protein, higher fat breakfast, minimize your carbs, stay in ketosis, keep your body nice and even with the blood sugar all day. Um, but I also have an AM routine that takes like no time at all. It's like drink 32 ounces of water and then do 60 seconds of jumping jacks. And like, that's it. Good to go. And I think that people start with, start with something like that. And then we can just slide in journaling or you can slide in meditation or breath work, but you have to develop something. You have to have like a placeholder first. So I love that AM routine. I also enjoy uh, having people write down three critical tasks for the day. And a lot of people are like, I thought it was a fitness program. I'm like, yeah, but if we are not harnessing your reticular activating system, that using that like red car syndrome where you, where you're looking for something and you're giving a, your brain something to focus on and bring you information about, you're not going to achieve those goals. So maybe it's a business goal. Maybe it's a relationship goal, but for a lot of the people in the program, it's a physical goal. I want to look the certain way. I want to exercise a certain amount of times per day. So when one of their things is back workout at 430, they're, they're going to be looking for ways to make that happen. And so when someone's like, Hey, can you get on a quick call? They're like, nah, I have a thing. It's very important to me. It's one of my top three things of the day. So I think that the AM routine, writing down your three critical tasks, focusing in on water, and then moving for 20 or more minutes per day, every single day, regardless of what that looks like. Those are kind of the four big ones outside of the meals. Interesting. That's so clear. That's really great. I give, it gives people, um, that's, it's very, it's very simple. It's very applicable and everyone can do that. You know, everyone can be better at protecting their time and saying no so that they can get better so that they can work on themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I think, I mean, I know in your experience and my experience, a lot of that has to deal with accountability. You know, a lot of people who are making some major changes or maybe even making inter incremental steps toward greater changes, kind of they find reasons to wiggle out. So what, how do you approach accountability? So um, when that's, when someone comes into the program, I have like, it's taken me years and years to do this. Like, this is something I've just been doing the last year. It's been, it's been amazing is I have a form. I have them fill out with all their like necessary stuff, any injuries, what they, what they're working with in terms of food allergies or workout equipment or whatever. And then I have a laundry list of things like action items throughout the day. So whether that's drink a gallon of water, 20 minutes of, of working out, putting your phone down at 930, reading 10 pages of motivational book, do like X, Y, or Z thing. I have them opt in and say, Hey, I want to do these things. And I want to be held accountable for these things. So that way, when then I, when then I go and I, I'll ask them about them. And I have a, like a, this, this paper in front of me right now called the seven steps of accountability. So I go, all right, what was your commitment? Did you keep it? What did you feel got in the way? If not, if you didn't keep it in the realm of this, all that's possible, have you kept the commitment? What'd you learn about yourself by either keeping it or not keeping it? And do you want to recommit? And then you acknowledge them for, for what they had done or the steps that they did take. So I get them to say yes, because I, I was for a while being like, it's seven daily investments do the shit, you know, and being like, that's the, that's the standard. That's the baseline. But like some people were, did not want to do write down their three critical tasks and me having it on there. They always felt like they were, Oh, I was missing it. I lost it. I screwed up. I'm like, all right, do you want to commit to that? You don't have to, this is your life. This is your program. This is not Nate Palmer's million dollar body program. This is who, you know, this is yours. Like, let's figure this out how, how it works for you. So making them say I'm committed to X, X outcome or X action. And then we have those follow-up steps. And my app is so dope that I actually have them on there. So like I'll, down every day, they'll see, Hey, here's my workout for the day. Here's like a lesson, you know, we'll talk about protein or tracking macros or whatever it is. And then I have action steps. Did you, and then you check it off. And then it gives you a little, like, 
little like confetti. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just a mm-hmm. tiny hit of dopamine, you know? Sure, sure. And then on a daily basis, it's like, okay, you got a one day streak going. Great. Okay. You got a five day streak going, you got an eight day streak going. And I think that that is really a cool way to increase accountability using the same like tactics that you do on Instagram, where you see that little red dot and you're like, I got to push it. What did someone say about me on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, that's so great. It makes it easy to see it visually at a glance. Are you, hold, are you holding yourself to your commitments? And then B, I can, and then I can follow up with them using the seven steps of accountability. What's a million dollar body mean? A million dollar body originally started as like, do you want to make a million dollars? Do you want to be like a business owner or entrepreneur that is worth a million? Well, like let, you need to have a body that matches that. But I think it's evolved a little bit more into just the idea that the body, like your physical self is the foundation for everything else you do. So your mental health, your relationship status, your business, you have to layer that on top of existing physical health, especially if you want to not just die at 65 because you've been burning the candles at both ends, working 85 hours a week to make this amazing financial success in your life and leaving all your physical health on the table. So I think a million dollar body is like your body that is like, that's worth a million dollars, not today, not in, not in 10 years, but like in your eighties and nineties, and even like becoming a centurion, 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 yeah, whatever it is, hundred years plus. But like, how do we set ourselves up? How do we invest in our own health, wellness, and our health span rather than just our lifespan? So that way we're showing up big time, not just today and tomorrow, but decades from now. You know, it's crazy. I've never been asked that before, <laughs> which is well, weird because I wear it on my shirt all the time. And I understand <laughs> the hubris of actually putting this on my body. And, and oh yeah, it's, it's bold, but like, you know, what's crazy is that if I walk, rock around with a million dollar body shirt on and I eat chips in front of somebody, they're like, why yeah. are you eating chips? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I Bro, is that a Red Bull? You got a million dollar body. You're drinking a Red Bull. Yeah, I'm just in my water here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 my mind was thinking, okay, is it, is it about making a million dollars or having a body that looks like a million bucks? You know, and so to break that down, making it about health span, making it about longevity, because you're right. You, you're, and I, and I take a different, a little bit of a different approach, but. I work with the same populations of people who are highly successful, who are founders or CEOs or entrepreneurs that have been making great money for a long, long time. Maybe their health is good, or maybe they look good because they found that way to um, will themselves into a pretty decent physique. I work with other with people on getting the rest of their life together, right? Their their sort of their sense of purpose, their their family health, their their spiritual awareness, their you know romance and intimacy, that sort of stuff. So we I know that we serve the same populations of people, and they're hard people to work with because they know they already know all the answers, right? Yeah, they've done like, the research. They listen to the podcast. You can't tell me nothing. Like yeah. someone <laughs> someone who's been crushing it and making great money and has all the toys and their kids actually like them. And, you know, those people are hard to work with oftentimes because they already know the answer and, or they can convince themselves that the, that the things that they're doing wrong are justified, you know? Oh yeah. Right. Like I'm sure you've experienced that. And I'm sure that there are people right now listening going, Ooh, that's probably me. I'm kind of a know-it-all. Right. So, so what, how do you work with people who, who, who 
even though you're engaging with them and they're coming to you for help, they also know all the answers to all the things. Like, how do you, how do you think about working with someone like that? Who's super type A? Well, I used to be, I used to be like, get really frustrated and like, felt like my knowledge was being called into question. Why would not someone to be like, push back on me or be like, I, I don't do it that way. I don't like that option. Um, but like, like what I get a lot now is like, Hey, like, I'm like, here's the program. Like, let's start with this. And they go, Hey, can I eat this? Can I have just oats for breakfast? And I go, well, has oats for breakfast been working for you so far? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, would you be open to trying a different way? Which is why you hired me, mm-hmm. you know? And then like, so rather than like coming at them and being like, but it didn't work for you first time. You got to do it my way. My was awesome. You know, like asking them questions, asking a ton more questions, because I think a lot of times people just have that initial, like, okay, like, like, I'm like, you're like, you're challenging me in a lot of ways, but if you just kind of remain calm and you're like, well, what, what did you like about oatmeal for breakfast? Okay. It was fast. Well, if I give you another fast option, would that allow you to try something new? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And then always, always, always getting them to opt in. Um, I read a book um, called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. You've heard it? Yeah. You read it? Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing book. I read it every year. It's my like, it's one of my like top books. And he talks about his time as a suicide hotline operator. And I think about this all the time because I want people to know how smart I am. And I have like a little bit of insecurity around that. So I feel like I've done so much like ne- learning and research and all these things to put myself at expert status. And that was really, really important to me. And all the time I would talk to people and they'd be like, man, Nate, you're so right about that. And in the book, Chris Voss, who said, he said he was like, he had a superior listening in on one of his calls. And this guy called in like a frequent caller, Chris talks him off the ledge. And then the guy, the guy goes, man, Chris, you're so right, man. Like you're awesome. And he's like, yeah, I'm awesome. He gets off the call and he goes to superior and, his, and he's like, wasn't that, didn't I kill it? And the guy goes, that was the single worst call I've ever heard in my entire life. And he's like, well, well, I mean, what, like, what do you mean? And he's like, when they say you're right, they are committing to not change. They have to believe that they are right. They have to understand that it's coming from them rather than us as the expert talking down to them. Mm. So rather than talking like straight at someone, like I used to do. And I, I felt like I was like, I had to be forceful, especially with these type a dudes that I work with, you know, they like you know, I felt like I got to like step up to them and like challenge them and stuff. I just asked them a ton of questions and just get them to start believing that they can do that, understand what their level of commitment is, and then go from there. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, sort of out by, by, by getting to someone to say, you're right. You're right. You're so right all the time. Great job. You're they're outsourcing their responsibility for that. Right. Absolutely. They're like They're like, they're they're not learning anything right they they're not growing at all they're they're distancing themselves from any sort of positive change that's exactly it because they're like yeah. man sean is so smart like must be so easy for him he's right he's right all the time like, he doesn't understand what i'm going through right that's so disempowering right uh-huh yeah and i never even thought about that until i read this book so mm. now i try to get people not to say, like to say that's right rather than you're right that's perfect. You're so good at this, Nate. Oh my God. You're so smart and brilliant. Like, how did you <laughs> come to all of this? Like, wow, man, <laughs> I couldn't resist. You walked into that. <laughs> fair, fair. What is low carb backloading? 
This episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus, the non-synthetic HGH alternative that works so incredibly well. And I'm going to talk to you about how I use it and why I love it. And then I'll tell you some of the details about what it is and how it works. Number one, I do not exaggerate when I tell you that BioPro Plus is the most effective supplement I've ever taken to enhance vitality. So that's energy, metabolism, that is sleep, that is libido, all of those things have been enhanced since I've been taking it, and so many of my coaching clients and you listeners can attest to that. It's super simple. It's literally the first thing I do in the morning. After I wake up and use the bathroom, I unscrew the cap to a little tiny vial of the liquid, and then I just pour it underneath my tongue, and that's how I start my day. I can usually start to feel it after about 30, 45 minutes. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. Go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I tried this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. Because again, I think that a lot of people are going out to dinner with their clients. They're, they want to have a drink. They want to do something. So like giving them the ability to, to eat carbs, but just in a specific time and place does a couple of different things. So number one, like I said before, we're having proteins and fats for breakfast and having like a protein and vegetable for lunch. So it's like something pretty light. So when you're eating light all day, you have more energy and focus and attention for the things that are really important to you. And that's my, like my main thing is like, okay, can I get someone to start getting good results? Even if they're a little tiny bit slower than doing like full keto or, you know, like an HCG diet or something like that. Can I get them to have great results without being starving all the time? And while still having a ton of energy and not getting that keto flu? great because I want them to start feeling not only momentum from weight loss and getting leaner and looking good in the mirror, but also like, they're like, dude, I'm like, I'm like killing it. I'm on fire. My head, my focus is on point. Like my, like my game game face is on all the time because when that happens and they can start to directly connect my revenue is equal to my energy and my, this diet is amplifying my energy. Therefore my revenue is going up then I think it's a lot easier to connect those two pieces and stay in the game, sustain it, right? So that's like my day plan. And then at night, like I tell people don't eat carbs until like after four o'clock because at night when you have your carbohydrates, you have some rice or some potatoes or fruit or something like that, you A, you have an easy easier time at, at lunch. Someone's like, hey, you want some potatoes? You're like, oh, I do. I'm gonna have them at dinner. Cool. So now it's delayed gratification rather than rather than deprivation. And delayed gratification, sometimes you don't even need them. You don't want, you won't even have them because like 10 minutes later, you're not hungry for them anymore. No one's put them in front of you. So it's an easy way to kind of like push the problem off on future self. And then if you do want to have those, great, because the more carbs you have, we've all had that Chipotle burrito at noon and then been super sleepy, right? At two o'clock. So like, I think about, you know, energy is being a product of oxygen in your bloodstream. 
and the higher glycemic load you, you eat when you have carbohydrates. So those things that are really sweet, really sugary, really fast digesting, white rice, like sweets, cakes, whatever, the more blood flow it takes, more oxygen it takes to digest that food. So the things that are the, the least amount of oxygen requirements are proteins and fats, and then the carbohydrates, and they kind of creep up on that glycemic index. So now when you've pulled all that blood and oxygen by proxy into your gut to digest those carbohydrates you have at night, you start shifting naturally into a parasympathetic nervous system dominant state. So you start getting that rest and digest just on what you're eating. So rather than having that at noon and then being like, shit, I got a lot of stuff to do. My to-do list is getting longer by the, by the minute. And then trying to cram an hour's worth of work into like three hours because you're just sloppy and tired and distracted. You got decision fatigue. Well, let's stay sharp all day and then delay our gratification for the evening. And then if you want to have like, you're like, ah, I'm not going to have potatoes at dinner, but I'm going to have a piece of chocolate cake. There's no guilt around it. Mm -hmm. And you're, and you're helping your body sort of shift into a parasympathetic rest and digest state. So you're going to fall asleep better and sleep deeper. So I think it's like, for me, it's obviously all diets work. You know, like if you're having, if you have like the, you meet the energy requirements, you're going to see the results, but some of them suck ass and are really hard. Like whole 30. Have you tried that? It's no, I'm so familiar hard. with it, but I've never tried. If you don't prep your food, you don't eat. It's just, it's very difficult. So like, there's a lot of good to it, but it's also not, not my favorite. So this is, I feel like is sustainable. It gives people benefits in terms of like their energy, their longevity, their focus, their sleep. And it provides a, like a simple structured framework. So that if you're at a steakhouse, you know what to eat. You're at a sushi restaurant, you know what to eat. You're at grandma's house, you know what to eat. So like, I'm not telling you, here's a meal plan. You got to eat chicken, rice, and broccoli. It's like, all right, well, I got to choose a protein, a carbohydrate, and a vegetable. I know what a vegetable is. I know what a protein is. And then carbs, I'm just going to choose mac and cheese. Game on. Hmm. That, I, I love that idea because it does tick all the boxes. Uh, it, it does... It does. It just makes tons and tons of sense to delay it, you know, for all the reasons that, that you just laid out. I think everybody who is in anybody listening right now that's interested in experimenting with, you know, uh, sort of a new way to eat. If you need to switch it up, you feel compelled to switch it up. Just try that. Try go back and listen to what Nate just said. Just rewind like two minutes and go back and listen to that and experiment with that because. Here's the thing. We can all listen to great podcasts and hear great ideas and they really resonate with us. And then they just stay in our brain and they are all theoretical. We never make changes. We never do the experiment. We never commit to doing this meal plan or that meal plan or this workout or we just, it's like, oh man, that, I feel really good. I feel really charged up by the, by the high vibes of those guys' conversation. That's really great. And then you just forget about it 10 minutes later. Like mm -hmm. that, that shit doesn't work. Yeah. If you want to check it out, I have, you can get my book for free. If you go to getnatesbook.com, that'll, you can download the million dollar body method. I'll send you a PDF or a Kindle version, whatever you want. And then I have a 28 day challenge in there. And it's not one of those books where it's like, here's part of it. And then you have to buy my program to get the secret. Like I lay that shit out in there. Like I have people who hit me up and were like, Hey, I read your book and I'm guy, I dropped 40 pounds and I eat like this all the time. I turn all my neighbors onto it. I'm like, that's amazing. Dude, you know, that's cool. So, but like, I don't know if I'm gonna be doing this in 10 years. I don't know like what the future holds, but I want someone to be able to pick up this book and be able to apply it to their life and get results automatically without having to like get on some expensive program. You know, obviously I have the program. I got, I got it all like dialed in, but you can look at it 
follow the instructions and the guidelines, try it for 28 days as an experiment, like you said, and then just observe your own results. By the way, I think experimentation is like the most fun, underrated way of, of getting great results because it gamifies it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, the, um, you know, I'm sure you saw the, the 75 hard that I did in the first half of this year and the, the intensity and commitment that it took to do that was fucking insane. And it changed my physique. And I think that it changed my palate. It definitely changed my cravings. It changed my digestion. Um, and you and I both know it's easier to maintain a fit body than to get a fit body and doing that 75 hard had has, has just had such a, such a lasting impact on the way that I see myself, the way that I see my physique and how I work out, what works for me, what doesn't, but it took a commitment to something that was a little bit intense in order. Well, in this case, extremely intense, but, <laughs> but that, that commitment is everything because you, you can wiggle out of stuff pretty easily. We all can, we can all find reasons to, you know, to the earlier point about, you know, my schedule's busy. I was traveling. I was tired. I, I had to, I had to buy the friggin', you know, scone from Starbucks at the airport. Cause I couldn't get a meat stick. And it's like, yeah, well then you weren't serious about it. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I'm not a huge fan of 75 hard. Cause I feel like a lot of people use it for weight loss and that's not its intention or goal at all. It's a mindset program. It's reprogramming yourself to understand that you can do hard things and you're capable. And I think it like changes your identity and your self image, but I don't love when people who are like, I need to lose hundred pounds. I'm going to do 75 hard. And I'm like, please, God, do not work out 14 times a week. You've only worked out zero times a week in the last three years. Right. Like, please just, just start slower. Right. Right. What, what's the fear there is that people are going to like not have success or going to injured or what? Mostly injured is, yeah. is kind of my big fear, especially with like the two day workouts. And I also hate the daily progress pictures. I feel like that's the watch pot never boils in action. I was going to ask you about that. Are you, you, you because you, you, it looks, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? You don't like progress picks? I like, I like weekly. Weekly is weekly. still pretty quick because you're not seeing a ton of, of results week to week. But like, once you start, like you go look back at your week one and now you see your week six, you're like, okay, okay. We're getting it, you know? Yeah. But the day to day, man, like that's like, I feel like that is demotivating if anything. Interesting interesting just yeah, be, i mean other than that though like if i could do 75 hardware it was like mandatory that you worked out four times per week of a weights like and and uh what is it be like eight 14 times per week or 10 times per week of walks then yes i'm in uh-huh but it's these people who are trying to do they, they go to the boot camp in the morning and they do lift weights in the afternoon and i'm like please stop doing that yeah it's not yeah. good for you yeah especially for people who yeah who are not in great shape and maybe a little little on the older side and their mm -hmm. body can't do those same things that they could do when they were 20, but they think they can. Yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you experience a lot of those folks. I, I like noticed you, you get injured and you fall off. Like that's the worst reason to fall off a, a routine and just like, so disappointing. Yeah. You're like, oh, my shoulder can't, you know, hurts. And you're like, right. Sorry, man. Yeah. Then you go running back to the, running <laughs> back to the suites, you know, just to yeah. fill that void in, in your heart. 100%. I noticed, I noticed that you, well, maybe I'm just assuming you're reading between the lines. Are you not a fan of intermittent fasting? I have, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. I did it for like 18 months straight. But what I found was that a lot of times the, that lunch meal becomes the biggest meal of the day. And it does that same thing where you just get that like lull in the afternoon. 
So I've actually gotten deeper into prolonged fasting recently, and I love prolonged mm. fasting. Similar to like similar setting of hard, prolonged fasting is massive for your mindset. And it's also binary, right? Similar to intermittent fasting, it's like I'm not eating breakfast. It's not like, what should I eat? It's, it's zero. It's, it's eat at noon, you know? Uh, so like doing a 48 hour fast, you're like, I'm not eating from tonight until Thursday morning or whatever. And so you just don't eat and you set yourself in a position where you're like, all right, switching my blinders on. I'm like a full, full steam ahead on this. And I think that the mindset piece is incredible. But then also I've heard different numbers here, somewhere between nine and 18 times the autophagy in a 48 hour fast that you would get from 116. So basically in two days, you can get nine times minimum the benefit from your body's natural detoxification, fat loss, that sort of thing. And then also those longer fasts really help you shrink your stomach back down, hit like restore factory settings on your body, change your palate a little bit so you're not feeding that sugar all the time and just give your body a chance to like take a breath. Mm -hmm. You know, like in the last, what is it? Since like 93, when that first, when metrics first came out, it was like, you need six meals per day. And you're like, what should we eat for the other three? They're like our shakes. Cool, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Since then, like we just don't go that long between eating. You know, people are like, I'm feeling a little peckish. I'm going to have two sandwiches and like, well, I have to, I had to keep the metabolic furnace running and you're like, what's a metabolic right. furnace. I've opened up a cadaver. I've never seen a furnace. So I yeah. don't really know how it works. Yeah. But, but I, we just don't give our bodies a break from eating. And I think one of the things that's highly correlated with longevity and telomere length and aging gracefully is consuming less calories. And that yeah. is such a simple way to do it. That also makes you a badass. Like what's not to like. Mm, yeah. 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 That, uh, that caloric restriction, that autophagy is, is the one thing that you count on, you can count on. That's going to help you live a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's, there's just so many benefits. I, I tinkered around with, um, uh, the longest I've done is I was a four day. I tried to go five Whoa. and I, and I, I shot myself in the foot. I, you know, I was doing, uh, minerals. I was doing spring water. You know, I probably had 50 Topo Chico's and, you know, 10 or 20 Gerald Steiner's, you know, um, I was, I was drinking a lot of mineral water, but I kind of, I kind of hit a wall, uh, on the fourth day and started to get a little bit loopy and decided <laughs> I, I think I'm good here. <laughs> Uh, but, I, I've heard that three days is, it seems like is like the upper end that you want to go from a physique standpoint, right? Like five to 10 or whatever else. Like you, now you're getting like the spiritual side of things. Right. But I think yeah. three days was before your, your body will start breaking down muscle tissue. So yeah. I actually created, created a product called fast aid. So like, it's like an amino acid complex that I give my clients when they're fasting. So that way, like, it's just easier to continue to work out and feel like you have something in your system. So that's what I like. I've been doing that. I do a lot of electrolytes, I do the fast aid. I do a lot of uh, sparkling water too. Is it fudge? I mean, it, not to nitpick, but does having the aminos, are there calories in the aminos that, that technically fudge you out of, uh, out of a true fast? I don't think so. They're, they are calorie free, but like, oh, I've, I've always wondered like, you know, like, well, protein is built it by aminos, right. And protein has four calories per gram. So how do the, is yeah. it just that the aminos are so digested down already? Yeah. It's such like a pre-digested nutrition. Cause like when sometimes I'll, like I'll have people who will be like, Hey, can I have a protein shake during my fast? And I'm like, it's going to bump you out. It ain't a fast then player. But, but like <laughs> at the end of the day, like how long you're going to be out of it for like what? 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, like, yeah. 
try like I feel like I'm trying, always trying to figure out like where how can I meet people where they're at, you know, yeah. rather than just being like it's my way, you know. So that makes I sense. I think it's gray. It's a gray I, area. I didn't realize that aminos didn't have any calories. So some do. These ones don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think technically it's like five calories is is like will, will bump you out of that autophagy potential. There's a uh, I don't know if you, do you do you know the name? I know you're a Seahawks fan, or at least you wear a lot of Seahawks hats. Do you know the name Russell Okung? Yeah, yeah. You know that Russell is doing 40 day fasts now. What? Yeah. Go ahead and take your take your fingers onto the keyboard and type in okungfast.com and look at what Russ is up to. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but you know you mentioned the spiritual aspect of passing that sort of three day going into four day homie is doing 40 day fasts and talking about it. So go ahead and jump on his newsletter. You can see that before and after pick. Yeah. That's crazy. For those of you that that are listening, we're talking about um, a former 360 pound offensive lineman, pro bowl, multi pro bowler, super bowl champion, you can imagine the sort of physique that this guy has. I think he's maybe, I think he's like six, six or six, seven. He's a, he's, he's a big boy, big dude. Um, he came and floated at my float center quite a lot. He and I got, got, you know, had a lot of conversations. Uh, I, I consider him a friend. I don't know if he, if he would consider me a friend, but uh, he's doing 40 day, he's doing 40 day fasts now. And he has shrunk, shrunk tremendously. And what's interesting is it doesn't look like he has a lot of loose skin either. You know, that yeah, guy, that is interesting, especially right? for going from, but, but he was also three thirty at six, six and like mostly muscle, you know, like there's a difference between being like three thirty at six or at like at, you know, five ten and right. being really sedentary, you know? Right. Right. And, and you're right. I think it was mostly muscle, but still that's a lot of body mass and to, to go to not have the sort of like bat wings hanging down from your triceps and, yeah. you know, like the what do they call it? An apron when people lose a ton of weight and you have mm-hmm. like a flap of belly skin down. He doesn't, he doesn't have that at all. Again, like he's, he's a, he's a very mysterious dude. Um, um, Twitter is where I follow most of his stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but um, it's possible. I mean, I'm sure that you're familiar with the Scottish fella who was like 500 pounds and didn't eat for a full year. You familiar with this one? No, I haven't There's heard a, that. It was like, this, I think he was like four or 500 pounds. He was massive and did a 365 day fast, did not eat anything, but was getting like IV vitamins okay. and stuff like that throughout the course, but did not consume food for a full year and lived. Go, yeah, go check that shit. Whoa. <laughs> go check that shit out. Okay. But like, I feel like that is such a so insane that like, yeah, of course. You look at that and you're like, hey, I could fast for two days you know? yeah right. it makes it seem like paltry in, in comparison i think like yeah like like i really encourage people to do a 24-hour fast once per week like minimum and so once you've got done 24 a few times then we're working at 36 or 48 or some people even work up to 72 but i've never had anyone go beyond that yeah so so i but i, w- I would love to see russell's like uh like biometric impedance he posts some he, he posts some he How posts, much muscle mass has he lost in the last like? Year well, I th- I think the tracking stuff that I mean, probably two hundred and eighty pounds. You know, like he he's down to like one. I'll I I don't want to speak for him, but you can check it out. But he posts like heart rate variability, 
on fast days and resting heart rate and stuff like that. Like it is talk about an end of one experiment. The dude yeah. is, the dude is really pushing the envelope. Um, are you familiar with the Prolon five day fasting mimicking diet while we're still talking about it? I've heard of it. I'm not super, I'm not super familiar with like the details though. It's um, it's pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the, I've seen people kind of throw it under the bus and call BS on it um, because it's like, you're still eating kind of throughout the day, but it's like a wafer cracker for olives. Um, and anyway, so it was uh, created by uh, Walter Longo, who is like essentially the, the fasting Messiah. And, you know, he, whoa, oh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, longevity expert. Um, anyway, he developed this protocol. I've seen it work for lots of people. Um, it, it's a nice way to reset. I think your, your metabolism and, uh, and, and your palate and your urges and stuff like that, I think. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's one thing that I, I, I think my wife lost, I think my wife lost like 12 and I think I lost like 14 pounds on it, uh, wow. in, in a in week, five days. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was kind of food. I was food partying for a while before I did it. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the five day fasting mimicking diet. I'm going to eat like an idiot for a couple, you know, for okay. a couple of weeks. So I kind of ballooned up and stuff, but, um, but maybe TMI, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I want to do a lightning round with you. Are you ready for a lightning round? I love a lightning round. I bet you do. I bet you do. And for those of you listening, uh, Nate, what's your uh, what's your uh, Instagram handle? Is this part of the lightning round? Shit. I'm... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, underscore million dollar body. But if you search million dollar body, I'm there because I'm the best one. Perfect. If you guys go follow Nate, uh, he does a lot of fun, you know, you know, man on the street sort of quizzes and stuff like that. Your, your content's super entertaining. I'm sure you get that a lot. Um, so I was, I thought, you know, what would be fun for Nate is a, is a lightning round. So here's what I've got eight questions. Actually, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do another one here. Getting limbered uh, up. Yeah. Get it going. Get it going. Do some jumping jacks or some burpees to prepare. And then after this lightning round, if there's one of these that you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I want to talk more about that. Too bad. We're not going to know. Then we can kind of <laughs> kind of build on that a little bit. Um, so again, given, given your, your swath of, of, uh, of fitness expertise and, and being really effective for clients for years and years and years with exercise and fitness, nutrition, mentality, and all that stuff, um, I'm going to ask you these questions and I want you to say either yes or no, or you can be an asshole and say, it depends. Okay. I won't be an asshole. Please don't be an asshole. I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you an answer. If it's 60%, I'm just going to say yes. Perfect. I appreciate that a lot more than, you know, okay. Question number one, um, a calorie deficit is the most critical aspect for weight loss. Yes. Two cheat days are okay. No. Oh, three, you have to keep your muscles guessing by varying up your exercise. I want to say yes, because it's hilarious, but no, false. Final answer. You have to vary up your diet to keep your mitochondria or cells guessing. True. 
all. Uh, Number four, vegetarianism or veganism is not a good idea. True. It's not a good idea. Five, stretching is crucial for muscle building. False. Six, most, quote, keto snacks are processed bullshit. True. Seven. I, Nate Palmer, love cleanses. False. (laughs) And number eight, body types really matter when it comes to getting lean. False. Excellent. How'd I do? How'd I score? I, you got a hundred percent. Wow. You got a hundred percent in this subjective (sighs) lightning round quiz. I do want to go back to the, uh, the, the muscle and dietary confusion. Is that perfect? Do it. Let's do it. Okay. So muscle confusion, I think is one of like the biggest loads of bullshit. It's based off of like progressive overload, right? We talk about how we need to make our muscles not guess, but we need to challenge them every single time we work out. So that's why the guy you see benching 135 for three sets of 10 and the gym is going to be benching 135 for three sets of 10 next year at the gym. His body's never had a reason to change. So he doesn't need to get on a BOSU ball and start like swinging his dill dingling around while he's doing like kettlebell presses. He just needs to add five pounds. (laughs) You know, like that's the confusing part to your muscles. Ah. You know, so I think that like we like fitness marketers and Instagram, Instagram fitness heroes are like, the worst for this. They're like, I'm on four TRXs. I'm doing these exercises. And people are like, do I need to do that to look like them? I'm like, that guy didn't do that to look like him. He's doing that for the camera. He's doing three reps and then he's going and doing something else afterwards. So I think that like the progressive overload, you just need to get a little bit stronger. So I always tell, like I talk to, to dudes mostly and I'm talking to them about how to change their physique. So we like target a couple of different muscle groups. So I'm like, oh, we got to build your pecs. We got to build your lateral deltoids. We got to build your triceps. We got to build your lats. Okay. Here are the three exercises that I want you to focus in on right now. You're at 50 pounds. I want you to work up to 80 pounds. Okay. It's going to take you a, six months to a year. Once you get there, your body will look different. Just, just trust. Hmm. So like, that's kind of the, that's the message I try to tell people on the muscle confusion side of things. And I just, I just really resent people who are like, I'm on a boat. I did BOSU ball things. And I'm like, even if it, even if it was like a, for your knees, I'm still like mm. suspicious of it. Mm. Oh, are you trying to practice so you could do squats in an earthquake, Deborah? Why don't you just pick up a heavier weight? <clears throat> so that's enough confusion. The, the, the progressive increase in weight to push the muscle to do more and grow to account for the extra load is enough confusion. So I don't have to change up my equipment. I mean, I mean, so following that logic, right. I could do, I could do the same four or five lifts for my upper body and increase the weight. And that would be enough. Glory be. Yeah. I, and I feel like you don't have to do them for the rest of your life, but I think a lot of us get so like hyped up on new exercises. We, we, we are not okay with mundanity in our, in our nutrition or in our, that's not our a word. word. Let's mm. let's, can we rewind? That's yeah. not a Mun, word. mundane, mundaneosity, mund, mund, the boring stuff, boring. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> we're not okay being bored. So we're like, let's switch it up. Let me do different exercises this time. But a lot of times, like that first two or three weeks of a program is all about like neurological strengthening. So you're going to see a lot of strength gains because you're just building bigger neural pathways. So it's like going and being like, I'm going to get good at golf. And then you're like, well, I'm going to actually play hockey too. And then I'm going to swing a baseball bat. It's the same thing. No, like there's nuance to every exercise. And so you go into a gym and you're doing seven exercises each day for five days. You got 35 new exercises. You wouldn't Mm. pick up 35 new sports at a time. So it's going to take a second. 
Take a second. It's going to take you a minute to be able to figure out that mind muscle connection and actually get stronger at that. And most of those first early gains are going to be neurological adaptations, not physiological adaptations. You have to get to the physiological after a couple of weeks of dialing into the mental aspect. So I think that like, once you have that, now you can start grinding away on like one extra rep and then five extra pounds here or whatever else that looks like. And then eventually what will happen is you'll start stagnating. You'll just be like, man, I can't get past 80 pounds. I'm just stuck there. Great. Now we switch the exercise up. But for most of us, that's coming minimum at like six weeks. And like some of us can go to like three months on some, on a single exercise without hitting a plateau. So I think mm. get, get, you know, get interested in the mundanity of the, of the, of the process. Yo, get, get with that mundanity y'all. You Cards heard it here. against mundanity. You heard it here first. Uh, uh, I'm going to recap again and we can hit another one of these. Um, if, if you want to elaborate, there was the calorie deficit cheat days, um, veganism, stretching, keto snacks, cleanses, and body types. Any other of those that you want to elaborate on? Um, just the, like the new, like the, the changing up the nutrition. I feel like there's like, like that's an, it depends for me, or I think maybe more nuance is, is appropriate. Cause I do think that having like a pretty basic set of meals that you prepare on a regular basis is really important. Just having something like you don't have to switch up your diet all the time. You don't need to go to, from keto to intermittent fasting, to carnivore, to, to Mediterranean. Like that's not helpful, but on the same token, like we were raised in a, like we, like originally we would only have access to certain foods at certain times of the year. And I think those cycles right. are there for a reason. So I think that when you're trying to eat mangoes in the winter, like that's not necessarily like giving your body what it needs at that time. So I do think we need to switch up, especially like produce. Mm. on a regular basis to match up with what's in season. I think there is a lot to be said about that, but I don't think yeah. you need to be like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not eating steak this month. No, like keep the steak in rotation. Come on. Yeah. Right. I, I'm really great that you're, I'm really great. I'm great. I'm you are grateful. great. Oh my gosh. You're so great. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you're going there because that that's a topic that I don't think gets very much attention in the mainstream because we just assume that, you know, if you can get a pineapple from Costco, then eat that shit all year long. You might as well have have pineapples in December and mangoes in October. And the fact is, is I think that there's increasing uh, at least attention in my Twitter universe where I'm seeing the sort of Jack Cruz um, light diet, raw of earth, sort of sun maximalist fitness bros talking more and more about the importance of seasonality in what you eat right we I, I my last name is McCormick like my ancestors didn't eat pineapples right they they, they ate a lot of seasonings right they had all <laughs> the lamb they could eat they had all oh, the potatoes they could eat just bland bland <laughs> dirt covered lamb shanks and potatoes and some tubers and that's it if you <laughs> right? could if you could give them my regards for your taco seasoning too though that's nice <laughs> mccormick that's right. barbecue barbecue that's sprinkles right. yeah. i missed it i missed it no you're right i mean all the seasonings that that uh <laughs> i should you know i've looked at it and i don't think that we're related I don't oh, okay <laughs> all right well that, I, that checks I, out. I wasn't sure i don't think that they're my people's but that that idea that 
eating seasonally, eating for your genes, I think is more kind of an interesting sort of emerging sort of area about how you can look at your diet from a perspective of, of eating for your sort of genetic propensity, you know, um, but eating tropical foods while you live in a more Northern climate, like I do in Seattle, um, while my, while my ancestors didn't have access to, you know, bright, robust tropical fruits, it kind of makes sense to, in my, in my mind, at least. Yeah. And then like, I do think that you're getting fresh, fresh stuff from close by, you're going to increase the biodiversity in your gut anyways, you know, and you're, you're varying the produce throughout the year. Like if you like apples and you only eat apples, you're not going to get so like a ton of diversity into your system. So, you know, just changing it up just to give your body a little bit of something, something new, some just like different bacteria, different compounds. I think that's always positive. Well, and, and our, the produce that we have at grocery stores is so limited now, you know, it's like, I looked at some study and there's like, we're getting like 4% of what two generations ago had at the grocery store. So it's like, really, yeah. So like the, like when you think about the sulfuric, uh, the sulfur heavy, um, um, vegetables, which are good for, uh, good for your hormones and good for, you know, growth, your growth plates, um, you know, they're detoxifying like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, um, cauliflower, you know, that's about what you can get at the store, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to the grocery store, even a really good grocery store, you're going to be able to find like maybe five or six different cruciferous vegetables, but that's it. There are thousands and thousands of other types of cruciferous vegetables, but we just get access to the same types same with, um, you know, same with fruit trees. Like we get, there's like 10 types of fruit you can get at the store, but there are thousands of other types of fruit that we don't, we don't eat and have ex- access to. So it's like the breeding gets weirder and weirder and, and more and more specific. And we are basically starved of the nutrient potentials of these other types of vegetables and fruit. I think a lot of that's our, our personal problem. Like, you know, in 1994, the biggest supply, do you know who the, like the biggest consumer of kale was the biggest produ- like purchaser? Huh. Peter Piper pizza. How so? You didn't have the kale. You never had the kale pizza. I don't know what Peter Piper pizza is. No, it's a, it was they used it in their salad bars as garnish. Oh, to, like, right. They, but like we red, red lobster, right? Yeah, but yeah. like we we decided kale's a healthy food. So now we're like burning down the rainforest uh, to monocrop kale. Right. Right. And so not only are we getting less, less supply, you know, by, because the market is dictating that we need more of these things and white people love kale, but it's also, we're getting worse and worse quality of those foods because like, we're, you know, growing them through GMOs, which I'm, yeah. I'm okay with, but also we're the, the soil density and like the nutrition in the soil is becoming depleted because we're only feeding the soil one type of food also. Right. You know, so like a lot of times you talk, you talk about the, like the, was a Joel Salatin type of farming where he's like switching up on like a regular basis, you know, bringing the, yeah. the feed, like the, the chickens and the cows and stuff like that to eat off the land. So like that's creating a lot of biodiversity in the soil, but we're not doing that because it's more profitable to just, just monocrop that corn. Right. Just right. go hard. Yeah. Not good. Not a good deal. Regenerative farming. And, and you could even go one step further and look at biodynamic farming, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, um, well, man, 
of time has flown by. I have uh, I have one more question, which is a fill in the blank question. Um, so I'll I'll save that for a second. But wh- what would you want people to do? Where they can where can they find you on the internet? You mentioned Instagram. I'm most active there of the social medias. Um, if you go to get Nate's book, you can ac- access my book there. Or if you want to listen to my podcast where I talk about some of these same things, I kind of go probably deeper on like the nutrition side and the fitness side than you do. And I, I don't do as much of like the heavy duty performance stuff and like the biohacking. I don't go so deep on that. In fact, your episode actually is one of like the, the, the farthest we went with that. And that has been received really well. So maybe I should, but you can go listen to my podcast called the low carb hustle. And that's, that's a bit fun. And we hit a million downloads in July through wow. all time, all time, but that we hit that. Congratulations, hit that dude. That's a big yeah. deal. Very excited. So now people will finally think I'm smart and that would. Well, you are smart, man. You're the best. You're the greatest. Everybody knows it. Right. No, stop, stop. Outsource. (laughs) I'll just give up now. Uh, Excellent. Uh, So this is the, the last question, fill in the blank question. And this could be, this really can be based on anything. It doesn't have to be specific to nutrition or fitness or anything. Um, but please fill in the blank. You can elaborate as much or as little as you like. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Everyone would benefit from knowing me. Just kidding. No. I think that everyone would benefit from knowing that someone is watching them and someone looks up to them. And I know that's like a, a, a weird answer, but I think I think about that a lot, you know, as a dad as a business owner, you know, as someone who has like uh, coaches and employees under me, like I think of my job and I think there's this, there's this really amazing weight that comes along with uh, parenthood where your, your kids are always watching you, you know, cause you can say one thing, but then if you're not doing it, like they see that, you know, kids catch a lot more than they hear. Oh yeah. Right. So I think that like, you know, we could talk all about the people benefit from knowing how to work out or how to eat, eat well for their body type or whatever else. But I think at the end of the day, all of that is tactics. And like the strategy has to be, how do I be the leader that people need to see in order for me to facilitate the growth of new generations of leaders around me? Hmm. Because when you, when that's the question, then some of these other like nuances of, should I do Mediterranean or paleo or intermittent fasting, or whatever else, they become meaningless because you're going to do what you need to do to be able to lift those other people up around you. So I think that just understanding that someone's always watching you. And when you're telling your kids, Hey, you can be anything you want to be. You can have the life you want to have. And then you work a soul sucking nine to five. You're in a dog shit relationship. you got 40 extra pounds hanging out of your gut. You have no energy for them. What message are you literally sending to them? They're, mm-hmm. they're not thinking I can be anything. They're mm-hmm. thinking dad's life looks really, really rough. How can I not be like him? Yeah. So I think that everyone would benefit from understanding that they are someone's like upper echelon. They are someone's paragon. And, and we need to treat that, like that thought with a lot of respect and by kind of the humility that, that it deserves, because I think there's, there's a lack of that. And like the lack of that showing people what healthy leadership looks like. And that applies to everything, like including fitness and nutrition. That is a very unique answer, Nate. I've, I've never, I've never had that, that response to that question. And I've asked that question hundreds of times. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah. 
well, this has been a real ball. We should do this more regularly because I think that there's a lot of other areas that we could go down. Um, and, you know, maybe we just make it a point of checking in on each other's podcasts from time to time and dropping some knowledge and helping people grow. So, Nate, thanks you, thanks you for joining me too on the Optimal Performance. Fuck, I have to redo that. I can't. <laughs> nope, nope. Nate, thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. It was literally my pleasure. Thanks, John.